Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with baritone saxophonist Jane Ira Bloom and percussionist Allison Miller on their new 2021 project called Tuesday. In March and April of 2021, they came together on five Tuesdays to record some improvised sax and drum duets to see what might happen. They didn't set out to make an album. They just wanted to play because they needed to improvise any way they could. They played with complete abandon, performing remotely from their home studios in New York City and in the reality of the world going on in 2021. Tuesdays is the result. Together, they talk about this recording and delve into living through COVID. Enjoy. How you doing? Hey, good. Is everybody on, Jane? Can you hear me? Yeah, Allison, I can hear you. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Finally. Great. The miracle of modern technology. <laughs> hey, it's great to catch up with you two. I, we've, I know we've respectively done separate interviews. I'm really looking forward to talking about this collaborative venture that you two have, have embarked on. So thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz today. So I think the thing about what what's going on in the creative world and the artist jazz world, so to speak, is, is addressing the elephant in the room. And I know we're all getting tired of saying the word COVID, but really all of this has been about coping and thriving artistically and surviving and figuring things out about our lives. And it sounds like Tuesday was a way of you two, like, arcing together creatively, but it seemed like it, it was a cathartic venture as well. Jane? <laughs> well. Okay, you yeah. Know, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to lay that much on that fast, but I guess. <laughs> well, you, you let us know, you know, uh, we don't want to talk over each other. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll just start off by saying improvisers always find a way. The power of imagination is strong, <laughs> you know, the the need, the will, the desire, it, it overcomes everything because the need to communicate musically is so strong. So that's that's where we start from, I think. Yes, and I, <laughs> I'll add that, um, yes, it was very cathartic, and that's really the reason that we can't started coming together in the first place was the need or the, the need for survival of creativity <laughs> to improvise together and make, make music together. And I think that's the thing that's always wondrous is somebody that loves listening to jazz is that there can be these magnanimous meetings of musicians that make beautiful music together. How did this all, what was the alpha of you two coming together, not only as friends, but collaborators and coming together on this project? Well, you know, we didn't, we didn't intend to make an album. It, we just, it, we're play, we, we recorded a lot of music. And then at the end of it, we said, yeah, we got something here. You know, but uh, it's it's so interesting to me the way we listen to each other. I don't know if Allison, if you you agree with this, but I have a feeling that uh, whatever the you know the impetus to to want to connect with the other musician is, I feel like it even heightened the the focus of our listening to one another. And I think you can hear it in the recordings. Definitely. So, did you have a plan when you got together, or was it just like you know you you just knew that you were going to get together and create? Was there anything? loosely sketched as you went into any of these sessions? No. <laughs> no, the only um the only sketch was to be completely in the moment and uh to make sure that we were we each pushed record on our separate <laughs> devices. 
that that's important. That was the only plan, yes, yes. <laughs> it, isn't, it, isn't it amazing, Joey? It, it, it really was without words. It was pure music without any talking about it at all. We, we just played. <laughs> well, I mean, that's jazz, and that's what I realized, too, as somebody that's kind of looked from the outside in. When this all started in March 2020, and kind of roared on, and I started talking to more and more musicians, and the voices ruminated. I kept thinking, if there was ever, like, an artist out there that would understand getting thrown into a, a havoc of having months of itineraries disappear in seconds, and just everything not knowing what's going to happen next, it's a jazz musician. That's what you do when you climb on stage. That's what you do when you create what you create. I mean, I know it's part hyperbole, but it's true. I mean, yeah, when all the when all the gigs disappeared, it, isn't it interesting though? I mean, it, uh, if you think about you know what what it is, Allison and I were up to playing playing live and in the moment, you know, any way we could. That it was it was the equivalent of of making a live album. So so different from you know like Allison like like from the process you use when you go in the studio. Maybe you can talk about that. No, it really was. It was just you know. We didn't we didn't return to anything. We didn't do multiple takes. Uh, you know, when you're making a more traditional album in a studio a studio album, then you do multiple takes until you find think you got it or get get a pass that you like and where the magic happens. But for this it was every time we played with a live performance recorded. And we didn't return to anything. Uh we didn't reflect on anything, you know. We just played and continued on until we felt like, you know, each time we played, we continued until we felt like, okay, that was good. You know, like we, we got to a place where we got some catharsis and played some music together. They're all first take magic, and they're all like snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> Not one of them is like anything, any of the other ones, you know. That's the yeah, way exactly. Yeah. So to nail down the context there, exactly where, where are you both located and when these happen, when these recordings happen? I'm in my home on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. Yeah, and I'm in my. Uh, I was in my home on the um, on the on the in Brooklyn in Park Slope, Brooklyn. So, what did you learn about each other during this process? You know, obviously, you knew each other going in, but what were what 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 did you discover about each other that you didn't know until this process took place? Mm. Oh, great question! <laughs> <laughs> great, great question. I, I think for me. Uh, the, the thing that was such a wonderful surprise was the array of, of uh, percussion that Allison found to investigate, to to uh, to explore with all this music. It, it it went to places I had never imagined. I think I that's I surprised myself in that too, because <laughs> I went places cool. with my percussion that I never imagined either. You know, I think one thing that I learned about um, Jane in this situation was, you know, I, I always knew that Jane was an ex- expressive and lyrical player, but I never, I think in this process I discovered that um, her lyricism and the space that she leaves is even more glorious <laughs> and abundant than I thought. Um, and also just her, I have a never-ending appreciation for her um, intonation. <laughs> Oh, well, um, thank you. Which is kind of surprised. You know, sometimes I think people are surprised when drummers notice intonation, but I'm so particular about intonation, and I think it's probably from my upbringing with my mother because I was raised in the church, and my mother's a uh, choir director, 
and she was so particular about intonation, so it's definitely been passed on to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I remember a musician a while back, a, a storied Latin jazz musician, had explained to me that Miles Davis always said that the first thing he sought out in the most essential part of any band that he was ever in was a drummer. That was the glue mm-hmm. that held it all together. And I, I keep reading things. I was just reading a, um, the early years of Pat Metheny, and he was talking about a local drummer, Tommy Ruskin, and how important percussion is and how it is the glue. And I'm wondering, Jane, when you go into things and projects, do you think about that? And Allison, are you cognizant of that in your role in outfits? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Miles. <laughs> it's it's the heartbeat. It, it's it's uh, the momentum. That's every everything that that you feel un, under. It's 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 the bones. Uh, it's the bones of the music, it, and uh, it makes you do such wonderful things. I've always had a, a special and wonderful feeling for playing with drummers, and Allison is is sure one of them. So uh, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I, you know I I am cognizant of that role of the drummer and I, I do agree. I uh I think a lot of it has to do with dynamics actually, you know, the the drummer can really steer the direction of the music by just subtleties and dynamics and, and balance on the drum set. You know, I talk about this a lot when I'm teaching is that um you know the for me the master drummers, the ones that have their own voice, uh have Fine-tuned, even if they're, even if it's sub, you know, probably subconsciously, fine-fine-tune the balance between their four limbs. That's something that a lot of people don't really actually even notice, you know. But it's actually really important. And you know, speaking of one of the, one of the primary drummers that crafted Miles's bands was Tony Williams, and Tony was, I think, the reason I started playing jazz because I first heard him on um, Miles Smiles when I was a kid, and that was it for me, you know, and. It, more than anything, it was his um, his well his musicianship and his the, his ability to converse with the other musicians on his instrument, but also his balance on his on his kit, his technique, you know, and that for me, the sound that he produced was just so moving. And for me, it's like sound, balance, and dynamics that really uh, and and pocket groove, of course, that that really can kind of craft the direction of the band, you know, but, I, you know, I also, sometimes I think I've just a little bit of a, a bone to pick with that statement is that, you know, sometimes I find that people misinterpret that of like, well, the drummer can really decide on the direction of a band or have such an importance on, on, on a band. I feel like sometimes people take that as they're responsible, the drummer's the sole person responsible for the time. And that is something that really... I have a hard time with because it's not one person that makes the pocket, the groove, the time. It's everybody's responsibility. And one of the things I love about playing with Jane is that she has such a great sense of time as well. Even when we're recording through, you know. <laughs> Did you know, Allison, that I that I uh, I always wanted to be a drummer. I studied drums when I was a kid. <laughs> well, there you go. That's it, right there. It, it, you know, it, it, I mean. It, it, Sadly, it never it never came to fruition, but I'm sure it's, it it has something to do with the, the construct of things. Something another to your thought is yeah, uh, uh, and especially thinking about Tony Williams, master orchestrators. Sometimes mm-hmm. people don't think about it, but when improvisers who are making everything up in the moment, you know, everything, <laughs> there's a certain uh, kind of 
compositional spontaneity, uh, being spontaneous composers that affects the music and how you make it. And musicians who have had more experience improvising, you can you can hear the maturity in the kind of choices that they make, even when they're making stuff up. People wonder, mm-hmm. how do you think of that? You know, how do you think of that stuff? Well, it, it comes from a lifetime of making a lot of choices and, and selecting some choices you make and some you don't. Sometimes you make sound and sometimes you, you stay silent. So there's a lot to it. You know, the one thing about this quarantine pandemic that I think we thought we were getting out of and now we've kind of gotten thrust in and things are opening. But at any rate, the whole idea, everything that we've lived through with this lockdown and quarantine has given us a mirror to look at, look at ourselves, to look within. What did you learn about yourselves, each respectively, that's going to make you stronger as you reemerge into new projects and the stage? You know, I've gotten a new confidence, almost a new, well, I guess the word is confidence, for, for the, the uh, spontaneous process. I'm also, I'm also a composer and, and, you know, go in studios and do recorded compositions and, you know, it, structured compositions with improvisers and stuff. But I really have found a new kind of uh, relaxation with the idea with with the very special musicians who you connect with very specially to to improvise in the moment and and let the music be free. I resonate with that thing. You know, I I feel as well that I've discovered a new confidence and new confidence in my my artistic vision. <laughs> and I mean, technically, I you know, just as a musician, as a drummer, I've, I've, I'm pretty confident in my ability, but I now feel a new confidence in just my path, my artistic path. And, um, you know, I, I have found in the past that I was concerned, I would find myself, and maybe this isn't even pandemic, maybe it's just a, a age, getting a little older and uh, wiser and just not, you know, not really caring as much about what, how how my music is received. I mean, of course I want people to receive it openly, <laughs> but I also just, it's more important for me to stay true to myself and, and um, my artistic path. And um, I think something during this pandemic has really brought that out. And um, the other thing, interesting thing is that I discovered, you know, is that, um, you know, because of the pandemic, I wasn't touring, so I was actually not playing different drum set every day. And for really the first time in my life, um, I played the same drum set for a year and a half, which is the very first drum set I ever studied on, which is the drum set on this recording on Tuesdays, um, it was my teacher's. And so when I started taking lessons from him when I was 10, that was the kit. And when he passed, he gave the kit to me. And, um, you know, it's funny. I don't want to play any other drums now. Like, I feel like, oh, I needed to just go back to my original drum set that I played when I was 10 to really find my voice. And, um that's been really amazing. amazing. A saxophonist could never imagine playing a different saxophone every night. You know, it's, the drums are your voice. It's your voice. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, now now that I am working a little bit, I can take that sound. That sound is so clear to me now. So now when I go to other drum sets, of course, I'm not going to get that sound exactly, but I can. I know what I'm looking for. The other thing is that I, I'm also left-handed, and I that same teacher that gave me I didn't those know drums. That. Wow! <laughs> I know. Well, the, the the same teacher that gave me those drums was the same person that refused to teach me left-handed. <laughs> so he, he, you know, he was a fiery man, and he was like, "No one's going to wait for you to switch the drums on a jam session, so you're learning right-handed." So I learned right-handed, and I still play right-handed, but. 
one of the things I did during the pandemic was I practiced pretty much like 75% of my practice time. I just practiced left-handed, and um, it was amazing. It really opened up my drumming in a way that I've been looking for for years. <laughs> so, How interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that is. You're re- revisiting some connect, you know, neurons in your mind, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, the one thing, you know, as I've, we've all watched this unfold, you know, from the beginning of shock, and it's almost like we've gone through stages of, of healing from something very, very major, whether physical or emotional. And I think the thing that's very interesting about right now is that I love having these kinds of conversations because you've created something and it is healing. And I think another level of this is watching musicians get back on stage. And I'm noticing in Kansas City that's happening. So my question to you is, as we move forward and go to this healing, what is your itinerary looking like? What kind of spokes of hope are you having in your calendar and your schedules where you're going to perform live and get back to those things that you natively have done for decades? Well, if, you know, we're in New York City. It's going to get back there. You know, I'm still a little on the cautious side, but... But uh, it's going to get there. The planning and all everything that goes into it, you know, I think as the spring comes around, it's going to start looking a little more normal, normal to all of us. But boy, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I've done some shows. I love, you know, outdoor things. I've also canceled some tours coming up because I just I'm I'm cautious too because of uh, well for myself, but actually mostly for my kids because they're too young to get vaccinated. Yeah, I'm making lots of records. That's what I'm trying to get in. In fact, I'm actually making a record right now <laughs> in the studio. They're all waiting for me in the control or in the in the tracking room to start. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to be as creative as possible. And for me right now, that's mainly by recording as, uh, recording projects. That feels like a pretty safe environment because everybody can get vaccinated and tested before we go into the studio beautiful hey i'm gonna let you get back to recording and okay i really yeah i I, that was my final question so it was a perfect segue so thank you jane allison thank you for taking some time out to talk about this project it's been a wonderful uh, interview i really appreciate your time Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to both Jane and Allison for their time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.